short-term rentals that cost a fortune out here and you have to put down 30% on just about anything that's short-term rent. It becomes very difficult. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. Right. Welcome back to the Gentle Art of Crushing It uh, podcast, Passive Investing Edition. Uh, my name is Randy Smith, and I'm the host today, and I am super excited to have a really good friend of mine, Mike Neubauer, on with us. Um, welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, Randy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I've, I've really been looking forward to this. Um, Mike and I met probably about a year ago through another community we're both involved with, and he's just, he is the epitome of giver's gain and bringing value. So super excited to have you here. So why don't, uh, if we can, why don't you just kick it off and tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and, and uh, bring us up to speed on where you're at today. Sure. Okay. Um, I'll try and condense this as much as I can. But, um, you know, I, I went to um, art school. So graduated from art school in Colorado, um, started traveling and shooting photography a lot. That was kind of my passion. Never really wanted to work for anyone. Um, made my way out to Hawaii um, about 20 years ago. And I've been shooting landscape photography out here for, for that long and more. Um, written a couple books. Along the journey, became a fireman, learned a little bit about real estate investing, started buying short-term rentals, um, did some house hacking, still am doing some house hacking, um, and then started investing in syndications. And so like today, yeah, I've left the fire departments. I've got enough passive investing, um, passive investments, I guess, through, through active and passive real estate. Um, and now I'm looking for the next step. So I'm, I'm ready to, um, I'm ready to 10 X where I'm at to, to something even, even greater. Outstanding. Well, that is, um, boy, you covered a lot of ground in uh, a very short amount of time there. So it seems like there's Random. been mul multiple renditions in life's, uh, throughout that journey. So, um, totally. I, I'm curious, and I don't know this, we've known each other for a while. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Yeah, I was born in Chicago. So Chicago, I Chicago. Oh goodness. Okay. And then, um, so I'm, I'm a South side Cubs fan, so I'm, I'm a rare breed and, uh, you know, made my way to Colorado for art school and then out to Italy to study photography. And then, you know, started doing landscape photography out here in Hawaii. And, and it was kind of hard to leave, you know, yeah. the island of Maui. So <laughs> been here for yeah. 20 years. Okay. Yeah, no, I can, yeah. I can see the allure of, uh, of the islands. I've, my wife and I love going to Maui and, uh, would love to get back to Kihei um, area yeah. more often, more often. So yeah, it's interesting. So your, your passion in photography probably is what, um, what got you out to Hawaii in the first place were, was that an actual business or was it a hobby? Was it, did you ever monetize that in any way at all or? Yeah, sure. So um, great question. So, you know, when I, when I went to art school, um, you know, I went to the art Institute out there in Colorado and, I graduated with a degree in, in graphic design and um, photography. And so um, 
I, I decided I, I never really wanted to work for anybody. I, I had a really hard time taking orders and, and doing what other people want me to do with my, my yeah. quote unquote art. So, um, yeah, I, I started, um, I think some of my first gigs were, I actually got paid to shoot like, uh, for what are they? They're called like, dis- they're like a distribution company that like do like posters and stuff like that. They sell to like hotels and things like that. I can't even remember the name of them, but sure. like I would go, like I flew over to London and shot like Stonehenge and, you know, wow. London bridge and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, shot a lot of stuff out here. Um, and, and so like there was a little bit of money being made from that. Not much. Eventually, you know, I, I started writing books. So I've got a couple of books out. I've got a how to book on photography, uh, somewhere over here. Okay. That, you know, I, I can't sell any of, but you know, I'm sure. happy to send you one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sell some books on Amazon. Um, I, I used to have a gallery out here in Hawaii. Now I've moved all that stuff online, um, to be completely passive. And you yeah. know, it's, it's funny because we, we talk about passive investing and that is a channel that I love. I don't make much money from it. Um, but I love having something like books or whatever. It's a passive investment. I've got thousands of them sitting in my house and I love when I can send them out or send them over to Amazon and have Amazon do it all for me. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. So So, like the way of separating your hours from the income that you're making is something that has been with you for years and years. It sounds like. Yeah. But I mean, really what it comes down to is that's a passion project. I mean, I know you're not getting rich off of that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but I love doing it. I love being out in nature and, and shooting, you know, in, in the wilderness places. So, um, yeah, that's just always been a passion. And if I can make a little bit of money from it too, awesome. That's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. uh, you're lucky and fortunate to be able to make a couple of bucks from some of your hobbies. I, I tend to have yeah. these hobbies like triathlon or travel that, um, <laughs> the dollars are definitely going the other direction on all of my yeah. hobbies. So yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, you're, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, you're in better shape than me. So yeah, I <laughs> don't got know. Some I don't know what that, but yeah. So, um, I mean, clearly the, the standard art student that goes on to be a photographer, clearly the next step is always become a fireman. Uh, right. So I'm, right. I'm curious how, how did that come to be? <laughs> so, um, I was doing all this artwork, um, like branding and identity stuff for this group of, uh, firefighters that had a surf company over on Oahu and they were called Hawaiian fire. And we became like, really, really, really close friends, um, the, the owners and myself. And I ended up moving in with them and they're like, dude, will you just take the fire department test already? I mean, you, yeah. you work 10 days a month, you get your insurance paid for at this time. Like I'm living out of an $800 car with no windows and like, <laughs> right. you, you, I don't have insurance. I can't even spell insurance. Right. right. So, um, finally I was like, fine, I'll, I'll take this stupid test guys. Leave me alone. And so I, I took the test and the doors kept opening for me and I just kept walking through them. And, and it was really a good move because when I got in and I, I you know, I, I bounced around a bunch, they, they sent me to a bunch of different islands and different stations and whatnot. Um, but, you know, once I kind of settled into my home station, which was Kihei, actually, um, my senior firefighter there was a real estate investor. So... I didn't know anything about real estate investing and I started learning a whole lot from that dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it seems like uh, a lot of those 
type of positions where it's not traditional working hours. Um, you have some flexibility to really spend some time on your passions or some hobbies on the side. So it sounds like it gave you the opportunity to start investigating real estate and it and totally. led to you, I, I suspect, finding your niche, right? That's it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, so, so this guy was kind of passionate about short-term rentals and he's like, you know, trying to figure out which way he could maximize his investments as quick as possible. And so I saw a lot of what he did and he shared a lot of data and insights with me. And, um, you know, I took it and I saw what he was doing and I learned from that. And then, you know, I tried to learn from other resources. And once I kind of caught that bug, it was like every book, every podcast, every person I could network with. And and then I started seeing like, you know, I, I bought my first, you know, investment property and, um, it, it just began to snowball. And I started learning so fast that um, I got to a point where I could leave the fire department within like probably two years, three years of, of investing. Unbelievable. So, so yeah, yeah, it turned out really well, you know? Yeah, no doubt. So how long were you with the fire, uh, with the fire department? Yeah. So at that point, so, okay. So I, I know I say it took me two to three years before I could leave, but yeah, it took me a, a long time of doing research and learning and stuff yep. like that before I actually pulled the trigger to get that first short-term rental. So, um, total all in with the fire department, I was with them for about ten years. Okay, no, I and yeah. I, I think that's a good point. I don't think um, with all the people that I interview, you very rarely hear somebody that says, um, "I read the the purple book." The rich dad, poor dad, and then the next day I, I left my job and everything was wonderful. Um, there's Correct. always a path and a journey, and and a mindset shift that has to occur, going from poor dad to rich dad mentality, right? And this is not a right. rich dad, poor dad podcast, but um, that's very, very common. I I had something similar. I was in corporate America for 25 years, and I would get the real estate itch, you know every three or four years, but then a promotion might occur at work or I might move into a new role or I might hit some award and I would lose my steam. So the motivation mm. to find real estate or passive investing would, would, would fall back at times. So it sounds sure. like you've got a similar path that many, many people yep. that I've interviewed and talked to have. So, um, yeah, but it's just another example of a great career where you had good stability, good income and benefits but within a short amount of time of you making a decision, you were able to walk away from that and still be able to provide for the family and live the life that you want. So congratulations. That's yeah. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. So yeah, let's dig in. You mentioned house hacking. Um, I just got off with a, a really good friend, another person from the community where you and I met, and he yeah. did house hacking in Chicago, actually, oh, with duplexes wow. and triplex, things like that. Um, I would imagine house hacking in Hawaii could look a little different than it does in a community where a duplex costs a hundred grand. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Hawaii is a, a really tough market and, you know, to have a little bit of perspective, I, I live on the Island of Maui and, um, our average home price is about $1.2 million. I live in an average home. So that's about what it's valued at now. Um, so a firefighter on the island of Maui makes very little money. 
much. I mean, I literally, when I got into the fire department, I could have applied for food stamps. <laughs> okay. I, I met that threshold. Live so, large. um, yeah. So, but the good thing is like, that was still the most high paying job I had ever had because mm-hmm. I was just a, a surf bum. Right. And, and, you know, doing my photography thing and, and whatnot. So it was that stability that, that kind of, um, you know, a, attracted me to that position. Um, but yes, house hacking here is, it's difficult. It's not easy to get into short-term rentals that cost a fortune out here. And you have to put down 30% on just about anything that's short-term rentable. Yeah. So, you know, it, it becomes, um, it becomes very difficult. Um, and the first thing that we ended up doing was taking our single family home that we had purchased in 2012 at, direct from, um, the builders who we knew as family friends. And, um, you know, we got a deal on it then. And, uh, we short sold the house at that time because everything was, you know, either being foreclosed on or, or short selling. And we knew that this house had a plenty of equity in it. And it was a huge move from the condo that we were in before. Okay. And so, you know, that was 2012 when we got into this house. And then in 2016 is when I kind of started like, really like, okay, we got to do something with real estate. And so that's when we took and we hired those same developers to build out this house and build a one bedroom, Mm -hmm. one bath unit onto it. So we still have that and we rent that out. And that was our first foray into real estate investing. So did you, you added an ADU or you just added an extra room? Yeah, no, it's an ADU. Okay. So, and, and so that's interesting. ADUs are a really big, uh, I don't know, trend, opportunity, strategy, uh, a big craze that's going out in Hawaii. Can you talk to the audience and share what that looks like and, and sure. why that makes yeah. so much sense? Sure. Yeah. So a- ADUs in Hawaii, we call them ohanas. And okay. it, ohana just means like a family unit. So um, essentially, this is like a mother-in-law suite, what we built on there. So we can't have like, well, we're not supposed to have um, in our unit, what we're zoned for, we're not supposed to have like a full stove or a full kitchen sink or anything like that. So we have like, okay. you know, a small bar sink and we have hot plates and stuff like that in, in our unit. Um, some do have full, like attached or attached or unattached, um, dwellings that are, um, like almost like small single family homes where they could be a thousand square feet or, or less. Um, but it's a really great way to maximize, you know, the, the cost of rents because, you yeah. know, the other thing that a lot of people don't think about is unless you have some kind of. Uh, work from home job or, you know, mainland based company or something, there's not really hardly any hard, high paying jobs in Maui. Yeah. So, you know, it, it becomes very, very difficult for people to afford to pay their mortgages. Okay. So what we see here is a lot of multi-generational families moving into houses. And so the, the Ohana units, the ADUs become essential right? Mm-hmm. Everybody just kind of pitches in and, and you'll see a lot of, a lot of stuff that you don't see um, in most parts of America. You'll see more in, you know, certain third world countries where it's just like adding on rooms and rooms and rooms and rooms in, in some locations. Sure. So we see a lot of HOAs in Hawaii to kind of curb a lot of that. So it's not, hmm. you know, um, 
to, you know, do it yourself, kind of build your own sure. place with plumbing and electrical and things that could go notoriously wrong. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But we, yeah, we saw a lot of that in the fire department. <laughs> I would, I would imagine you had a unique perspective of that too. So. We did. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, my, in my understanding is with the housing prices that have gone up, you know, in Hawaii, just as they have everywhere over the last handful of years, it's really created um, housing issues for the locals or native, native born as well. Um, yep. So an ADU actually creates an additional opportunity to have to answer that that question, I think, as well. Now, it, it's interesting with with short term rentals. um I suspect that that's had some type of impact on rising rates as well and rising home prices out there. Everybody, myself included, loves to come to Hawaii for my week or two weeks and just really enjoy the culture there. Um, But I suspect that during COVID, there could have been some challenges that maybe you ran into with with short-term rentals and the the economy as a whole, I suspect, right? Can you talk to that a little bit or... Sure. Yeah. We shut down completely for COVID. So we, we were, you know, Hawaii is a, a very liberal state and, and certainly not to get into politics, but there are, are certain things that, you know, uh, our governor and mayors decide to do that did not help our economy. And so um, they decided that it was in our best interest to protect the people as best as they thought they could do it. And, and that was by shutting everything down. Got it. And so, um, you know, where, from where I live, I can see the airport from my bedroom window. I didn't see an airplane flying in for weeks. I mean, we, we had probably about eight months where the Island was just silent, no cars on the road, nobody left their houses other than to go to Costco. So people were, there were very, very few travelers. Okay. And so, you know, everybody with Airbnbs was was kind of freaking out. And the big thing was, what what do I do? How can I sell it? You you could have sold these things for pennies. Sure. You know, I mean, no nobody could give them away at that time. Um, and, and it's hard because you know at, at that time you, you we were looking at um, our units were I think we had four units at that time, four or five. I think we had four. We had just sold one, just sold one, okay. and. Um, and so we had four units and, you know, we were getting a lot of money per night from them before COVID hit. And as COVID hit, all we got was cancellations. Right. So when you're sitting on properties that cost three quarters of a million dollars or more, that's a lot of money in mortgages that you got to pay out. And the HOAs are, you know, a thousand dollars or more per month. And, you know, it becomes a, a big burden. So it was understandable that a lot of people got hurt. And a lot mm-hmm. of the buildings, even the condo complexes themselves shut down. Wow. So where we were at was fortunate because the, the properties that we had bought in are all hotel zoned. So they have front desks, they have everything else um, that is required of a condo hotel in that area. And so we were able to shift our thinking and we reached out to, you know, as many people as we could via Airbnb to try and get them not to cancel, of course, and give them every discount that we could possibly give. Um, But we also kind of encouraged them like, look, you're still able to come out here if you could find a flight that will come here, but you're still able to come here. And if you could 
quarantine for two weeks, you will have this island to yourself. Like <laughs> sure. the beaches are empty. Like to yeah. be a landscape photographer in Hawaii during COVID was like the most amazing thing ever. Cause you, I mean, everything was wide open. There was nobody yeah. anywhere. So we got a few people that like took advantage of that and they stayed here for a month or two months. And, you know, we didn't care what they were paying. It was just like, help us keep like, the lights on, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and we had a healthy supply of reserves at that time, but that's also um, when we started getting to the point, because the, the property that we sold, we had in a 1031 and we were going to buy another short-term rental. Well, we were kind of getting gun shy on that too, because we had so many expenses there and we needed sure. some of that cash potentially, because we didn't know, you know, it had been going on for six months already at this point. And we're like, we can't yeah. find anything that makes sense. We don't, there was no sign of Hawaii opening back up. We didn't open really back up until November. Wow. So, um, so at that time in October, we took um, some of our cash that we had from the sale of that property and we put it into our first syndication. So that was my first foray into real passive investing. So I went from like one end of the spectrum as far as investing goes, active side to passive and like, you know, uh, just saw a whole range there that I, I just kind of missed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's that's interesting, and I think it um, you were almost forced into a diversification process versus doing right. it doing it willingly, but more out of necessity. Um, and that's that's an interesting point. So, so you were W two, you ended up getting um, a handful of properties that you were doing short term rental. And my understanding was you were managing those yourself. You and your wife were yep. directly right. Correct. Yep. Um, which to the listeners, obviously, that's a, a very large portion of the expenses is that management portion in short-term rentals. So Big time. Um, having it in your backyard and being able to manage it saved quite a bit of money. Um, and then you were you were growing your portfolio and then came to this abrupt stop where you had to shift. And that's when you started looking at passively investing in some other syndications. So I, I would love for you to kind of dig in and talk a little bit about that process and sure. how did you vet operators? And I know you have some special connections and a, a very neat yeah. network that, that we might want to get into, uh, but you kind of had the inside scoop on some, some pretty neat opportunities. Yeah. Think, right. Yeah, I, I did. You know, I mean, like I had mentioned before, like I have been immersed in learning in any way I could. So, you know, I was listening to every podcast, bigger pockets, real estate guys, radio, all, all those kind of things. Right. And um, reading every book I could get my hands on. And so we knew when we got into real estate investing that we didn't want short-term rentals for the long run. We knew it was going to get us from point A to point B as fast as we can get there. And that's what we wanted. Now, we also love the idea of holding property in Hawaii because you know, we've, you know, I've been fortunate enough to travel to a lot of pretty awesome places on earth. And, and this is still one of the, the very best. Mm -hmm. So having property here always excited us. Um, but we always knew we wanted to diversify and we were looking at other asset classes and things like that. Um, and then as far as the first syndication goes, um, I had been following, you know, 
like I said, a bunch of people on social media and, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, for those of you who know me, Randy, you know me. Uh, I, I am not on social media very often at all. And I can barely figure out how to press the like button. So, right. um, um, but one of my other fellow investors that was on social media, well, he was just kind of getting started at the time in social media was AJ Osborne. And AJ is big into self-storage. And I had first heard AJ on Bigger Pockets, and I was kind of teasing him because I was like, oh man, like I didn't think there, there was anybody that had less followers on YouTube than me and you know, all <laughs> this kind of stuff. And, and now you look at him, he's got like hundreds of thousands. But uh, anyway, you know, he, and he would write back and we had these great conversations and I really liked the self-storage market. Um, and I really liked, um, I really liked him. And so um, we had some great conversations um, just via Instagram or whatever. And then he put something out. He's like, hey, um, to his audience of like six people at the time, he said, um, you know, I'm thinking about doing my first syndication. And AJ was super, super successful. And he had built everything up to that point all pretty much by himself, all in-house. He didn't know anything about syndications. Yeah. And he's like, but, you know, I'm funding the whole thing myself, but we're going to put investors out there and I'll get my money back and whatever. He, he had like this whole like strategy in his head. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was like, I wanted to get into self-storage. And so I was like, hey, are you up for a phone call? And he's like, yeah, of course. So this is at like five o'clock in the morning, Hawaii time. He calls me up. I was like, hey, okay. Um, and we started talking and... Every question that I asked him, he had a really good answer to. Like, you know, and so it was, it wasn't as much as I was trying to vet him as I was trying for him to vet me. Like, am I worthy enough to be in on your syndication? Because I trust in you, right? Right. And and so it kind of went both ways. And and he did, he did kind of, um, you know, ask me some questions. And he's like, you know, not everyone's going to get in on this thing. We've only got the... I think there were like six spots um, for for investors. And so, and they only needed like a hundred thousand dollars more or something like that. And they they were closing it. So I was like, look, I can let you know by midday today, if you know, if this is a go or whatnot, he's like, okay, but you know, no offense if it's closed before then I, I do have a few other phone calls or whatever. Okay, cool. Anyway, woke my wife up and I was like, Hey, I just talked to AJ I want to throw a hundred thousand dollars at this. She's like, okay. And so I texted him right back. I said, we're in. So if you'll have us. And so that started a really, really close friendship between AJ, his family and my family. And, you know, we've gone up to Boise where he's based out of and, and met up with him and his family. And what I love about that is is the questions that I was asking him at that time, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about syndication. So like, yeah. this is a terrible way for your listeners to to like get into it. Don't do what I did, right? Because <laughs> sure. it, it, sure. it could totally work out against you. But right. for me, I asked him questions based on character. And so when I went up to meet him in Boise, I got to see like his character, his personality, his morals, where he is, you know, aligning his compass is exactly the 
position that we try to align ours. So if I were to lose money with AJ, which I don't think I will, um, but if I were, it wouldn't really sting that much because I know that he's doing everything in his ability to make us money, to do what he said he's going to do. And I've seen that through him over the, the last few years um, with his syndication. He's done a great job. Yeah. No, thank, thank you for kind of walking us through that whole journey and being, being vulnerable as well about, you know, when we first get into this, we don't know anything. Like we don't even know the questions to ask. Um, and no. I, you know, I kind of had similar, similar experience. And I, my very first syndication investment was with, with Brandon Turner, Open Door Capital. Nice. Um, yeah. I did not have a personal one-on-one relationship, but I, I, I felt like I knew him after listening to his podcast for years, right? Yeah, and you yep. use that term aligned our compass um, by watching and listening him for years. I had built the trust. Um, I could tell that he was a man of integrity, and it sounded to me like he would probably work harder for for my dollars and like make sure that I didn't lose my dollars than he would even for his own. And yes. um, you found that similar experience with AJ, which um, yep. has been my experience with AJ as well. You know, stand up yep. individuals that are just uh, wickedly smart, brilliant yep. at what they do, and just excellent stewards. I've been using this term a lot lately, but stewards of their investor capital. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. And it's, you know, that's not the experience that all investors have. Um, sure. it, it can, it can go a very different direction, but I think if you watch somebody long enough, um, people will actually show their true colors, um, good or bad. Um, Correct. and if you stick around and see them expose themselves in a positive way, uh, you know, I, th I think that's the best indication of how they're going to perform in the future. So. Correct. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you, um, you're building the short-term rental. Um, empire, we'll call it. Um, <laughs> you, you're you're building passive income streams, not only from photography, but also from investing in multifamily and storage and and other things. So you have dollars flowing to you from multiple different channels. Um, mm -hmm. It it seems like it's the path that I hear a lot of people striving towards, and generally there's some type of mindset component to that whether that be through masterminds or association or even coaching or something like that. Can you talk yep. to me a little bit about your journey in, in those arenas and what that's meant to you? Yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, at the time when I was just starting my real estate investing career, there was no real estate meetups or anything like that out here. I mean, the ones that we did have would, would have like five, six, seven people show up to them and everyone was like, yeah, I'm interested in this too. I want to buy a house. And I was like, okay. But nobody right. really, really got it. There was nothing there. And then um, probably about four years ago now is when Brandon Turner moved out here to Maui. And um, he showed up at one of the real estate um, meetups and it was like, it was like 30 people there what the heck is going on? And so he had, um, he had single-handedly brought the real estate investing community out of the woodwork here on Maui. And certainly there were people doing stuff, but nobody was showing up or meeting. And it was just, 
we were at the point where it's like, look, if we're going to continue down this path, we need to move to a metropolis or, you know, at least a city that where there's people doing stuff because we had right. nobody around us exactly to your point. And so, um, you know, I had connected with a lot of people through bigger pockets, um, through the forums and stuff there, just asking questions and whatnot. And, and anybody I could get on a call with, I'd try and get on a call with. Um, but Brandon, I, you know, I have a, a really nice relationship with Brandon and, and all the things that you said about him are a hundred percent the things that I've found over the years with him and his wife and my wife are really, really close. His daughter and my son are very, very close. Um, I, I was mentioning to you before that he was over here a few days ago, uh, for Halloween and, um, our families walked around the neighborhood together and he and I, you know, talk story, balao, as we say in Hawaiian, um, for a little while on different things. And, and open door capital was one of those things as well. But I remember when I first got out of the fire department, I had talked to him. I was like, Brandon, can I, can I buy you coffee, man? And so we sat down and we talked for a while. I was like, look, man, I've, I just kind of got to this point where I've got enough passivity where I could leave the fire department. But like, I want to know, like, how do I grow? I don't have enough to join like, like the, uh, go abundance or something like that. Like we're just paying our bills. And, and you got to remember, right. like, like I said, the fire department did not pay a lot of money. So like getting to like the first level financial freedom, covering my bills and stuff, I didn't have much bills anyway. <laughs> sure. Right. So, so like I, I was used to eating ramen noodles and peanut butter sandwiches. Um, so we were not at like, you know, a super high net worth or anything like that, but we're at like this, this kind of introductory stage. Right. Sure. And so I was like, what, what should I do next? He's like, honestly, he's like, I wouldn't, he's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I think the most value for your money would be to get a coach. I was like, Oh, okay. And so that, you know, I met, um, I met you through Jason Drees. So, you know, we, we met through the Jason Drees coaching community and, uh, and I met a lot of other people through that community. And then over time, you know, I started doing like masterminds and conferences and stuff like that. And, uh, and those communities, like the mastermind community is huge for me. Like just having that network of like-minded people that you can bounce ideas off of, or that holds you accountable to what you say you're going to do. I mean, it really helps to create a better version of, of who you want to be and help your true character come out. I think, you know, no, I, I can't agree more, more. Um, I, I'm curious though. Like one of the challenges that I had, um, was finding those communities and finding those avenues. Do you have yeah. any ideas or suggestions for our listeners on how, they can find a community like you found? Sure. I mean, I think for me, I would start with the bigger pockets forums. I think they're great. Um, okay. And you don't have to have a lot of money or anything like that. Like if you know, you, you don't want to pay for a mastermind or you don't want to pay to be, you know, part of a coaching session or whatever, then, then that's a good way to start interacting with people potentially local to you and, and get together, you know, once a week or join a, a real estate meetup or something like that. But as you progress, I think going to conferences and networking, I think networking is, is probably the most important thing in our entire business. 
Mm-hmm. Like the deals that come through networks, I've bought deals from people that I never met before okay. off market. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. and these are people that like, I met this, this guy that I bought my newest place from off market deal. He got it as an estate sale. He couldn't take it down. It was here in Maui. We met on bigger pockets. He lives in wow. Massachusetts or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know? those deals just don't happen without they don't a network, happen. without the mastermind. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's um and it's it's interesting. There's this there's this transition or this shift from I need to go out and network and do everything I can for free. Right. And then there's this shift where you actually start to pay. Um yes. you know, and and I used to struggle with that. Um Me and, too. And even not until like Fairly recently, up until well, January of this year was the first time I ever paid for formal yeah. coaching, and yeah. um, my life has taken some very, very different changes um, in trajectory since then. Um, yeah, and it and it's not always like I'm going to make more money this year, but your life tends to become more full in areas where you didn't even know that you were lacking prior to. Um, yes. by exposing yourself to other cultures and c- communities and people. So um, it, it's interesting. I had a shift um, that actually came about because I am actually part of Jason Drees and I'm, I have a one-on-one coach as well. And he has helped me melt some old beliefs that I've had and been carrying around for 40 years that spending a couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand or even 10,000 or what have you on coaching and development and performance improvement um, is not an expense. It's actually an, an investment in my most valuable asset, which is me, which um, I had a really hard time getting over it. But now that I have, um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing lots of changes because of it. So, and I, and I will say, Mike, you've, you've been a big part of that path for me as well. Cause you helped, uh, you've helped expose me to some of the great people that you are around. Um, you've put some neat opportunities in front of me that I would have never had exposure to without your giver's gain mentality. Um, so I appreciate what you do in this community and the message that you share. And that's ulti- I mean, ultimately that's why I wanted you on the call, uh, or on, well, the, thanks, on the, the podcast. Absolutely. So I appreciate that. Well, very good. Well, we're, I mean, we're already at almost like 40 minutes. I, I, I say this on almost all of the calls, but I feel like we could do, we'll, we'll definitely have to have you back to continue the conversation, but this certainly helps set that. the stage and yeah. uh, we'll dig into what future success looks like. But I would, if we can, I'd love to spend just a couple of minutes on some few things. And first and foremost, like, sure. I, I'm curious, what are you excited about today? And um, what's like the next big thing for Mike and, and your family? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're invested in a a handful of syndications and we have a handful of short-term rentals. We have a handful of long-term rentals as well. Um, But I think, you know, I I just finished this Maui mastermind out here um, with some really high level investors and and people that, like you said, that, that are just, you know, we get around and we have these like amazing synergies. And so I do a, a call with, three other people once a week. And it's the only thing that's on my, well, there's two things on my schedule on Fridays. One is, is a coffee date with my wife where we kind of strategize our next week and, and our business going forward. And then directly after that, I have a call with these three other individuals. And I love the feeling that I get when I'm on these calls, 
-hmm. And it's just like you and I sitting here, we have this great synergy where we could talk forever on all these different things. And everybody comes from a little bit different background and from Mm -hmm. all over the country. And I don't know what that's going to lead to. I know we've been looking at some pretty big deals, but I think the the common thread between all of us is we want to do something that's bigger than real estate. And, And I don't mean like, other businesses or anything like that. I mean, you know, 12 years ago, I started a nonprofit and it's for the last 10 years, it's been just sitting vacant. I haven't done anything mm-hmm. with it. And, and that that's a uh, shame in my opinion. Um, but I want to kind of dust it off and, and start doing things that make a difference. And I don't care if I'm the only one funding it. I'm not here to, to try and raise money or anything like that. I'm trying to do the things that excite me inside right because there's there's so many ways to become fulfilled you know certainly you know everybody looks at money as as the answer to all their problems but it's not right and, mm-hmm. and for me it was never about the money certainly I, I would like more of it um however it was we got into real estate because we wanted the time right mm-hmm. we wanted time to be with the family we wanted time to do the things we want to do we wanted time to give back so i want to be able to travel and to you know, volunteer at, I don't know, an elephant sanctuary or Mm -hmm. dig wells in Africa or build schools in Ecuador, you know, whatever it's going to be, we want to be able to give back. And I think the three people that are on this call with Mm me on Fridays, they want those same kind of things too. And so we're all successful real estate investors in our own niches. Mm -hmm. But when we're together, I feel like we can do really incredible stuff. So we've talked about doing syndications together and using, you know, the nonprofit as a charity that, you know, can do great things because of, you know, what we're we're producing on the real estate side. So I don't know how that all unfolds yet. Sure. But I I think that's what I'm most excited about. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, no doubt you've had a big impact. Uh, you'll continue to have a big impact. I'm super excited to see what you and and your tribe do. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been super fun knowing you and and uh, getting to experience all the all the amazing I things that it. you're doing. So yeah, thanks so much thanks, for coming Randy. on the on the podcast and sharing with our audience. Uh, I appreciate about your it, journey. Thank you so much. Thank you so Absolutely. much. It's been an honor to be here. Well, to our listeners, um, again, I just want to encourage you, uh, to reach out to Mike, connect with Mike. We'll, we'll put his contact information in the show notes. Um, follow this guy. I have no doubt that he'll add value to you, continue to add value to you. Um, and again, like I always say, continue to build your education and learn more about this passive investing space. Um, gain the courage and the, the confidence in the decisions that you're making about your investments, make that first passive investment and have no doubt that you'll continue to do so more and more in the future. So again, thanks everybody for joining the podcast today. Um, We'll look forward to having you on a new episode in the future. Thank you. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.